Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My mind, you just wake up and go rake. Not only is that going to affect how your teammates look at you and your coaching staff and your front office looks at you right now, you're a young player. You're going to play this game for a long time. But when you go into free agency, you think that's not going to be in the back of these other teams' head? Like, this guy is not a dog. Like, this guy doesn't want to pitch past 90 pitches. He doesn't want to be out there. He does need to be out. Like, what are we doing? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. Happy belated birthday, Will Middlebrooks. We're back. It's been a minute. Hey. It's been an hour. It's been, been a long time. We have some more people joining our podcast, too. We're growing. Yeah. You're going to meet those fine people at the end of this week, which is going to be great. Little teaser. I don't even know what you're talking about. I know. We're going to bring some more people on the pod. We're going to look a little bit more like consistency you, every single week. You're still you going to get me in the loop here? No. On camera? No. What are we doing? No. I'm going to surprise you as well. All right. Cool. Yeah, I've been... I've been all over the place, man. I've had so much going on the last couple months. I'm glad to get back on here, get rolling, find some rhythm with this thing. I have a question for you. Question for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you just turned 35. Correct. So is Nugenics contacting you to be a spokesperson for them oh, yet? Shut up. Are you lacking in testosterone? Do you? I'm going to go on a limb and say my testosterone is higher than yours. Nugenics has not contacted me. Frank Thomas does not have my number. They have not. They have not hit me up yet. I may have hit them up, but <laughs> no, nah, I'm not that old man. I'm still working out. I'm still moving. I'm eating okay. I'm not fat yet. We're good. This is episode 96 of the Wake and Rake podcast brought to you by Nugenics. Stop. That's a fine. Are we going to get fired? By who? We're our own bosses. That's right. You're fired. You know what is on fire is the MLB wildcard race, Brooksy. Yeah, it is fun. We have a lot going on, pal. We've missed a lot, and we're not going to be able to like catch up on everything that we've missed. So we're just going to hit the ground running. Yeah, let's just look at the news, kind of get this thing going. Right back into this thing. Let's just jump right back into it. MLB wildcard race is starting nationally. All four of those teams that are fighting for that final wildcard spot are all pretty much been lackluster since the wildcard break. All four of the teams, Reds, Giants, Marlins, Diamondbacks, all are below 500 since the All-Star break. All it's going to take is one of those teams to go on a 7-0 win streak to separate from the pack. Giants are on a four-game win streak right now, but they can't hit the ball. Diamondbacks right now hold that final wildcard position. Marlins went, I, I want to say it was like a five-game win streak last week, but were unable to sustain it. They've since you know, lost three of four. So who of those four teams do you like? Well, so right now what I have pulled up is remaining schedule strength. By the teams you just talked about, Miami is the eighth toughest wolf. Okay. So Miami has the eight toughest toughest schedule remaining they got three versus atlanta they have six versus the brewers that's kind of rough but they play the mets six times and the pirates three times mm -hmm. then as you go down the list 
San Fran's kind of like middle of the middle of the road. They're 14th. They got to play the Dodgers seven times. So that's kind of rough. They play Arizona twice, so they could make a difference there if they win those two. Let's see, I'm making my way down the list. The Cubs are at 19th. Uh, so we're looking at on the harder side of the schedule. Now, the Cubs have to play Atlanta three times, the Brewers three times, and the Diamondbacks three times. So that'll be a big series. Arizona's right after them at 20th. They have Houston, they have the Cubs, and they have the Giants. So there's some, yeah, there's a lot of big games left. Milwaukee's 23rd. Let's see. Cincinnati's 25th. So Cincinnati's got the toughest of all those teams. Uh, remaining at this point. Yeah, so, mm, God, so who do I like? That's what I'm looking at. Because at this point in the season, you're looking at, like, what's left on the on the, on the schedule. I think Philadelphia, duh, they're in. I think they're built to win a World Series. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the Cubs, I think they're in. They have good leadership there with David Ross, Mike Napoli, uh, Tommy Hadovy, their pitching coach. Like, these guys have been there. Obviously, I have a history with, with Rossi and Knapp. Uh, playing with them in, in Boston. So they bring a lot to a clubhouse, and you can kind of see how closely knit that team is. They built a good like camaraderie there in that clubhouse. For that third spot, I have seen Arizona in person. I've seen Cincinnati, and I've seen San Fran. And I think Arizona is the most likely, in my opinion, to take that spot. So as the standings stand right as they are right now, I would stick with that to finish up that way. I would love Cincinnati to get in just because it's Cincinnati and they have some studs there, some young studs. Yeah. Huh? Can't pitch. Right. So that's where it's going to bite them. I saw San Fran. I don't feel like San Fran is a playoff team. I just don't. I don't think their offense is good enough. Zero star power whatsoever. Yeah. Which you don't necessarily need. I mean, mm-hmm. look, at the, look, at, look at Tampa. Yeah, but they had a star. They had a star who was flirting with 16-year-old girls. Yeah, we'll have to get into that. But but I'm just saying, like, they did have star power is what I'm saying. Yeah, they did. They're still a good team without them. Like, Tyler Glasnow is, when healthy, is a superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McClanahan, when healthy, is a superstar. Yeah, no, I hear you, but I'm just thinking about what they're going to the playoffs with, and Tyler Glasnow is coming off injury. Yeah. You know, I I saw him. He still looks good. He still got up to 99. He looks like like his stuff's back. Who's the Giants – face of the franchise <sighs> brandon crawford right and like yeah. that's good enough i mean it at this point yeah at this point in his career like great guy great career great player but he's at the tail end of his tenure so um i like gabe but they're, they're like the west coast tampa bay like they're trying to just run everything off the computer and win games based off of analytics and matchups and pockets and it works like it works for them. They're still winning games. They're still in the mix. The the goal for a lot of these teams who aren't star studded, who aren't super high payroll teams, is to play meaningful baseball in September. Period. Because if you can play meaningful baseball in September, you're a hot streak away from the tournament. And if you get into the tournament, anything can happen. We've seen the Nationals be the last seed and win a World Series. Saw Philly get to the World Series as the last seed. You just got to get in, and you got to get hot at the right time. So. With that said, I want to kind of segue this into the American League because uh, Seattle, I mean, they were on a heater for like a month. Oh, more than a month, honestly. Yeah. It was like five It was like five and a half, six weeks. Since the All-Star break, they had 
I need to get an update on that. Had the best record in Major League Baseball. So I was in Seattle with the Sox on the All-Star break, or excuse me, on the uh, trade deadline. And that was kind of like, we were there, they traded Paul Seawald, and we're going, are they giving up? And then they started talking about trading some other guys, and we're like, what are they doing? They're like a game out. And then they they took two or three from the Sox there, and we're like, dang, this team's kind of good. And then that was like the beginning of their like, gone, like hot, white hot. And now, and I remember talking on CBS and talking about the Mariners, you know, twice a week because of who they are and what they're doing. Um, and I, I kept saying they're they're too hot right now. Like the ebbs and flows of baseball. At some point, you get high, 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 and you crash, and you're 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 hot as or cold as ice. That's where they're at right now. They lost four straight. They're not playing good baseball right now. They look like bullpen kind of looks like they're on fumes right now. They had all the stuff with George Kirby publicly, which was. <laughs> What did you think? What are we doing, George? Yeah. George. I didn't execute. He had a good pitch. Um, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh, to be honest. So I was at 90 pitches, and I didn't I didn't think I needed to go anymore, but you know, it is what it is. So. Is that a conversation in the dugout, or is it? It'll be a conversation soon. Yeah. Listen, not only is that going to affect how your teammates look at you and your coaching staff and your front office looks at you right now, you're a young player. You're going to play this game for a long time. But when you go into free agency, you think that's not going to be in the back of these other teams' head? Like, this guy is not a dog. Like, this guy doesn't want to pitch past 90 pitches. He doesn't want to be out there if he does need to be out. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's a bad look. But like, like I under, so I will say, I understand, like, this is the age we're in. This is the era we're in. This is how pitchers are groomed yes. to understand like, okay, like th- I'm kind of out of my time. I don't care. At the end of the day, it's still baseball. And you have to have that inside of you. That's like, you were a pitcher. You're like, you got to rip the ball out of my hand. Yeah. I, I'm not coming off this mound unless you absolutely make me. And I'm going to keep asking you to leave me out here because just give me one more, one more better, one more better, one more better. Let me, I can get this guy out. I have confidence in myself. That was a bad look. And I hate that because I love him as a pitcher. Don't know him at all as a human being. But that changes how I look at him now. I agree with you 100%. I will say this. To defend George a little bit, you mentioned that this is how pitchers are groomed now. That's how front offices are building their pitching staffs nowadays. It's not the dog in them. It's not It's not the bones. They are building that, but they don't want the pitchers to make that decision. They want someone else to make that decision agreed agreed but in george perspective it's it's it's, i'm gonna let you go i just want to get this thought out because it's it's like it's like if you're running a 100 yard sprint and you get to 90 yards or uh 90 meters and you just like kind of really slow down and walk through the finish line you want to sprint through the finish line so it's like you don't want to get to a certain point and just be like coast or be like i don't want to go further because it said i would i was best to win the race if i was winning through 90 meters right does that make sense no it it makes sense i will use your uh figurative language against you and say that what used to be a hundred yard dash is no longer a hundred yard dash anymore like it used to still run it though they do but it used to be the hundred yard dash is can you get me to seven innings can you as a starting pitcher get me to seven innings? now it's what can you do with your 100 pitches? Well, I don't care. I, don't I can care combat that. I can combat that too because 
guys are throwing 100 pitches in the sixth inning because they can't throw strikes because right. they're too focused on throwing hard. Yes, correct. But that's what okay. that's what that's what they want nowadays. They want strikeout percentages up. They they don't worry yeah, as much about walking. I understand guys. Like, that. I just never want to hear that out of one of my teammates. Like so, that's George. Like I agree with you. The the <laughs> look is really really bad. Like you don't ever say that, especially not to the media. No, and you know what? That's a conversation that can be had with your manager, with your pitching coach. You can have that conversation behind home, behind closed doors, because the optics. If you absolutely have to say that, you go talk about it in a dark room somewhere with somebody where no one else can hear you. Yeah. Because I promise you, his teammates, even though they understand how this works now, they look at him a little bit different. Yeah. And we all do. Yeah. And I hate that for him because, like I said, I really like his stuff. He's really good. Yeah, he's great. He's walked like ten hitters all year. Damn, like ridiculous. He just, he just, 165 innings, 16 walks for Kirby this year. It's incredible. He's had a great year, and Seattle's having a, a, a very strong year. I, we can get back on track here and kind of get away from Kirby here. And I'll say that don't forget what Seattle did in the playoffs last year. Okay. They were the underdogs against Toronto in the first round. They beat up on Toronto in the first round, got rid of the Blue Jays. I mean, they got round, arms. Round two. Oh, in come the Houston Astros who wound up hoisting the trophy. Game one, their Mariners were up by two runs. They give up a walk-off home run to Jordan Alvarez in the ninth inning in Houston. Game two, the Mariners were leading in the fifth inning. Bullpen ended up surrendering that lead the inning after that. Game three, 18-inning absolute marathon in Seattle, and Houston ended up winning that game 1-0. to zero. So the run differential across those three games, yes, they got swept by Houston, but the run differential there was like minus three, and they led in two of those three games. The only one that they did not lead was the 18-inning marathon. And Seattle- what's the difference? And, you know, what's the difference in big games in September and in October and then World Series once you get into November now? Experience, right? experience and and having guys you mentioned Jordan Alvarez you Bragman Altuve like all these guys have been there done that they've been in these big moments they've been in these big games where the heart rate stays where it's at doesn't get through the roof and they can compete and make plays in those situations and in those big moments a lot of those guys on the Mariners have never been in the postseason before and now they're playing for a chance to go to the ALCS right so last year you're talking about last, last year last year okay all right yeah last year and you know a lot, that's where in the playoffs experience plays and that's why i think philly is is really good for the, the i think they are built for the postseason with the players on their roster being those guys who've been there they kind of the big moment type guys are you worried about texas uh yeah i mean the fact that they just fell off the map like they did th- that bullpen is bad I mean, I, I don't know what it is now, but a few days ago in September, they had like a nine ERA. I'm sure it's gone down since then. That was like a few, that was a few days ago. But through like the first eight days, nine days of September, I'm pretty sure they had like a nine as a bullpen. So it wasn't good. They got Scherzer going tonight. So that that should be pretty good. But um, I don't know, man. I, I, I am worried because every good playoff team has a couple stoppers in the bullpen, and and they don't. They can hit. I mean, Corey Seager is a god. Simeon's come around. I mean, John. They got all these guys that are that are are really good players. And they have some starting pitching now, even though they had some guys go down with injury. Jacob Degrom, obviously, but um, I think bringing in Chris Young 
their GM, who was a pitcher who played the game for a long time. They have a lot of guys in his ear like Michael Young and other guys who played the game for a long time that are building their roster. That's ideal. I'm not saying that these guys who didn't play the game at a high level can't do it because they have been doing it forever. Uh, I just think it helps in today's era because it gives you – you're not as strongly just analytics. You have analytics plus feel and baseball minds, if that makes sense. It's got to be a balance. That's a really good segue, actually, because you talk about like too dependent on one department or one era uh, area. <laughs> the top payrolls in baseball, right? Yankees, Mets, Padres, Dodgers, only one of those teams are going to be heading to, don't you dare take a photo of me, not live. I did. I don't look good right now. I didn't do my hair yet. It looks the same. Do I look okay? I'm not posting it. I'm sending it to my wife for a spank bank. Spank bank? What What does that mean? You've never heard of a spank bank? No. Sounds well, dirty. It is dirty. It was a joke. Mm, spank bank. I kind of like I'm it. Not- you're disgusting. Can you just continue? Jenny asked what we're doing or what I'm doing. I said I'm doing a podcast, so I sent her a picture. Don't send her a photo of uh, the women you have in the room next to you. She's not going to like that. There's three of them in my house right now. Mm. Two of them I made. <laughs> there you go. Uh, being dude, too dependent on one area, I, I, I think what this year has taught me is that I have a newfound – I already respected them. I have a newfound respect for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Because oh, for yeah. years, I understand that the only mm-hmm. World Series that they've won so far is the 2020 60-game season. But regardless, this team has won division title after division title and has been the team in the National League for more than a decade now. And a lot of people just say, well, yeah, look at their payroll. Look at their attendance. Look how and much- normally they're only competing with one other team in their division, and now there's four or three the, other ones. But the Mets, Yankees, <clears throat> Padres have taught me this year is it's it's so much more than just spending money on a roster. Put some respect on the Dodgers' name. That's what you you're have to develop players at the farm system. You have to be. Oh, able they to develop. Make- and you, you know something else the Dodgers do really well. Uh, having talking to players and then uh, some guys who are coaches now in their system. You know, we used to always hear about just how first class the Yankees were and how they. The Dodgers are kind of that new wave of they do everything first class. They were the first ones to really spend more money on nutrition for players and off the field activities, yoga, like restoration for your body uh, at the lower minor league level, not just AAA big leagues on, which that's what it used to be, mostly just big leagues. They st- they went like totally organic. They take care of their guys from the ground up, from the Dominican Summer League all the way to Dodger Stadium. They were the first team to do that. So I think that's been a big part of it too. But obviously their scouting department, the type of players they figured out. Um, I mean, you look at the front office. Look at the front office. These guys who came over from Tampa Bay, they had an equation there. That equation is now in LA with a lot more money and ownership that will spend money and is open to spending money to win. Uh, so they have the, like you said, it is just a perfect recipe of development, taking care of their guys, scouting and then at the big league level just knowing what it takes to compete there's two sides of the coin to that too you can't be all in on only analytics either because tampa bay has tried to the opposite of buying a world series they've tried to finesse themselves in the world series with analytics and yeah. you're talking about with with snell right like low payroll everything right like in tampa bay has not been able to 
hoist a trophy yet. What's hard for Tampa Bay is because they, the playoffs have to be managed different than the regular season because there's a much bigger human aspect to the playoffs. Uh, you can look a guy in the eyes and be like, you're scared. Like, okay, you get out. Or you're not scared. You're staying in. Like, that's a big fear is a big part of the postseason that people never talk about because a lot of people don't know. <laughs> it's scary. It's hard. Your heart's racing. Every pitch is the biggest pitch of your life, especially if you haven't been there, right? So you look at Tampa Bay, they continue to manage the game like they managed the entire year because that is what got the, got them there ultimately, right? That equation and that recipe of success of leaning that heavily on analytics is what got them there. Had they not done that, they didn't have the talent to be at that point in the season playing in the World Series. So I understand why they did what they did, but Kevin Cash has got to know, hey, postseason is a different beast, and I got to be able to look my players in the eyes and realize this is different. If you got it today, I'm riding that horse until his legs fall off. And we're picking on Tampa Bay, but it's not just Tampa. No, it's just a good example. It's a good o- example. Oakland, too. Like, Oakland has won division titles very frequently since 2014 when, it, you know, the Cespedes days and stuff. But they haven't been Yeah, able- but 2014 doesn't even compare to the analytics and metrics usage of today. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I don't mean to pick on Tampa because my point that's is. The most recent, that's the most recent example that makes sense for this Boston argument. Too. I mean, look at what Boston's done the last couple of years. They have 100%. not been able to, you know. So my point Yet is. Their payroll's still right around 200, though. Yeah, but but just like anything else, there's got to be a balance. So look at the teams that have won the World Series in recent years. So the Atlanta Braves. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dave's in 21, there's a balance. They were top 10 in payroll, but they weren't top five uh the astros last year they were top 12 in payroll i think it was um but again not top five dodgers in 2020 again 60 game season a little bit of a different story national similarly in 2019 red sox 2018 astros before that. like there is a balance of spending money there's also a analytics there's also a lot of these teams that are having success but are kind of in the middle you know like outside of the top 10 lock down their stars early atlanta atlanta is the model team for every team i'm gonna scout we talk about the dodgers scouting and developing players you know guys like bobby miller like uh, the guys are like who is this guy he's throwing a million miles an hour he's nasty if they like what his metrics show through this season and they project a certain number and they project that he can stay healthy based off of his body type and everything they put into this equation they should sign him based off of what the Braves are doing, because you're looking at it. uh, You go from having a two- to three-year window of players succeeding to now you're like five or six years of a prime of these young players. A lot of these guys settle in because they're comfortable. They're not playing for a contract anymore, right? They're like, okay, like I'm not making $300 but I signed for $150. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're not thinking about $300 when they're 23 years old and had two good seasons. Right. They're they're thinking, man, I just want to be like settled with something. I got arbitration coming up. 
you know what am i gonna what's the deal with that oh 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 eight, eight years for 150 done you know and instead of instead of being like you know what i'm gonna play this out to a free agency and hope i can sign a 300 million dollar deal yeah if someone lays eight year 150 in front of you you're gonna say no as a 23 year old not many guys are gonna say no i would not i yeah, would well, no not of say course no. Yeah, me either we're talking about hundreds of thousands. And that's just a number. I just threw a random number out there. It, it, they they sign guys for way less than that. Um, but you, you get the point. You said the playoffs are scary. Were you scared? Your first, was it 2013 was your first playoff? 2013? Um, scared? No, I wasn't scared. I was, uh, I mean, anxiety's up. You know, like, uh, you know, that fear of failure that everybody has uh, is just a little heightened because you're like, this is important. You know, these... And it was it was heightened more because like my boys meant so much to me. You know, I was uh I was like little bro on that team. I was 24. So uh everybody else had like 10 plus years in the big leagues at that point. So I didn't want to let them down because they had helped me up. That they they put their arm around me and they're like, You're one of us. Uh so I just didn't want to let anybody down, you know. But I also wanted to make a name for myself. I also want to win a ring. I also wanted to contribute to a squad that was just really like gritty and good. Your first game, you went one for three with a walk, a double, and a ribby. So good for you. Uh, Matt Moore, double off Matt Moore uh, off the wall. Yeah. Yep. That'd yeah, scored cool. around. Drove in Stephen Drew. Stephen Drew, that's a good throwback name. Forgot about Stephen Drew. You know his nickname, Dirt. Everybody called him Dirt. Because he's always on the laying out, and I guess I never asked. I assumed he's as country as they get, boy. They'd be like, "Hey, Danny, how you doing there, bub?" That's you know, how I talk. So, so I so I just got back from Greece, right? And yeah, oh my god, I'm a terrible friend. How was that? It's fine. I'll get past it. You are a terrible friend, but it's fine. Um, no, but we met this uh, this Australian couple, which, by the way, we're going international because going? I got them to swing did not happen. Let's get your mind yeah. out of better. I've already been asked a thousand times by our friends. No swinging was happening. That's we're not we're not that type of people. Okay, but. Uh, the wake and rake podcast is going international because shout out to Cade. And I don't remember his wife's name. I apologize if they're watching because he subscribed to our account uh, when we we're you know chatting it up by the pool. And stuff. that's cool. But my point is, is that we asked them to do an American accent. Where were they? Where were they from? Australia. Australia. Nice, mate. Rise up whites. Que pasa? What right. was that? So if you want to teach somebody an Australian accent, you tell them to say rise up lights. And it sounds like razor blades in Australian. Say it. Rise up lights. Oh, yeah. Ah. Rise up lights, mate. Rise up lights, mate. Yes. Rise up That's good. Yeah. I was yeah. learning something. But That's I asked them to do an American accent. And the stereotypical American accent, it depends on the country, but from them is like a very Southern accent. Of course. Yeah. So yeah. I got, you know, you get the Miss Miss Daisies with, the, with peaches down. Can I get some of your sweet tea? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's the typical like American accent in certain international countries. Which you I mean, it's not it's not Boston. It's not Boston. Ah, uh, no. Okay. I feel like the Brooklyn accent and like Boston, they're kind of similar. They're a little similar there. Yeah, like I feel How like you're doing good. Good. Yeah, I feel like that's that's more, more Brooklyn right there. It's like Italian mobster accent. Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn. It's like you got something that belongs to me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't that, remember where I was going with this point. Uh, you in international? We were talking about Greece. Uh, you serious? And you're worried about me getting old? That's that's funny. I'm not on eugenics. Not yet. I have a question for you. Yeah. 
Is it possible to be too disciplined? As a hitter? Or as a husband? Well, <laughs> like, where as, we going? as a hitter in Major League Baseball, is it possible to be too disciplined as a hitter? Yes. Play discipline. Oh, no. Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I, hmm. You're talking about Juan Soto, aren't you? Yeah. I knew it. You love Juan Soto. You, any way for you to talk about the Padres? Well, I'm going to um, kind of shit on Soto a little bit here. Not shit on. That's the wrong Okay. Thing. I got, I got, I got an example. Um, in his case, okay. When I'm sitting on my mic cord, huh? When you are as good of a hitter as he is, I want to see him swing the bat more. Yeah. I think a good example, and, and, and you know, for, we can maybe throw up some numbers on this uh, when you put this together because you're a wizard with that stuff. But I want to look at Tristan Casas from like June 1st till now. Because like the first month and a half of the season, Tristan Casas was he, – he's very patient at the plate. He's always – even last year when he came up for a month or so, he didn't put up a ton of – he didn't get a ton of hits. He didn't hit for a ton of power. I think he hit five homers last year when he came up. Uh, he walked a ton. He saw he's like a three, you see, I don't know, four and a half, five pitches in at bat. He's really good at, as far as that. Now, he tweaked his approach a little bit. And I mean, month by month, he just continues to get better and hit for more power. And he's more aggressive in that, like, oh, oh, one, oh, oh, one. The first two, three pitches, the first two pitches of the at bat, he's much more aggressive, where it was almost like he was taking a strike mm-hmm. before that. And then after that, he was guys would get ahead and get nasty. Like if I get ahead with a fastball middle away, I'm gonna go change up off of that. I'm gonna go fastball in. I'm gonna go breaking ball down and in off that. Right? You like you're 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 ahead. So as a pitcher, you can you can be more aggressive and go to your pitch. You don't have to throw him anything to hit. And then if you if you throw something to the edge and he fouls it off, he's at two strikes. So mm-hmm. he started getting more aggressive. His bat to ball skills are unbelievable. He's huge. He hits for a lot of power. Ton of bat speed. Uh, and now you look at his numbers, and they are absolutely absurd. And his 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 numbers early in counts have just jumped off the page. Is he your Roy? Uh, no, I think Gunnar Henderson is. Yeah, I think Gunnar Henderson is. Uh, I know the voters love war, and Gunnar Henderson's war is almost twice what Tristan Casas has. Tristan Casas had a much better offensive year, I think, uh, as far as hitting for power. Home runs and RBIs are pretty similar. I think uh, average is pretty similar. On base percentage is higher for Casas, uh, but Gunnar Henderson plays defense much better and runs the bases better. Yeah. So his WAR is like boosted because of his defensive numbers. So I think he gets the 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 nod on that. But go ahead if you got the numbers in front of you. I don't have his uh, swing percentage stats. I can't find this. Uh, that's fine. I can tell you his OPS. Well, I've yeah. watched every single game, so I know his 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 OPS in the second half is up over a thousand though. For Tristan Casas, and that's like fifty-five games or so. Thousand fifty-six across fifty games. The first half this year, he was his uh, OPS was seven twenty-eight. His slugging percentage in the first half three ninety-eight. His slugging percentage in the second half six thirty-nine. <laughs> I mean, we're looking at doubled here. Yeah, numbers that are doubled. Uh, and and I by watching him and talking to him, and talking hitting with him. He's like, man, sometimes the best pitches you get in a bat are, are early in the count. And I'm 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 gonna be aggressive. I he said I I'm, I'm kind of I'm having it bats not based off of counts anymore and just kind of 
seeing the ball, like looking for a pitch. When I get it, I'm pulling the trigger. I'm not trying to work a count anymore. If I walk, great. But if not, I'm trying to do damage. That's who I am. So the original reason why I asked, can you be too disciplined in baseball as a hitter, is because you look at what the Padres are doing this year. They have, at least as of last week, they had the best ERA in baseball. So they're doing it pitching-wise. Yeah. They have one of the highest outs above average and fewest errors in the National League, so they're doing it defensively. Tatis helps that a lot. And Hassam Kim, Vander <clears throat> Bogarts, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis Jr. all having very, very strong campaigns. They're going to have wars flirting with four to five. No, they probably lead the lead the league. It's like for like team war, right? They're probably going to. I don't have the well, number. Atlanta. They're going to be high though, and so the, my point in saying that though is their numbers don't reflect what their records shouldn't reflect what the statistic, the individual statistics should be. Except when you look at runners in scoring position, and which is awful. They were historically where are they at average wise now with runners in scoring position because they were under two hundred for most of the year. They're like two thirty. So, oh, I, so they really picked it up then. Yeah, yeah, because they were like in the wooden one nineties at like the halfway point of the season. They're still like twenty six in baseball though, so it's still not good. Okay, because I remember through like eighty five ninety games, they were like one ninety seven. It was bad. They were it was yeah. historically bad. Okay, no one's ever finished under two hundred. So. Juan Soto has a swing percentage this year of 35.7. So he's swinging the bat about a third of the time. You compare that to some of the highest swing percentages of baseball. Salvador Perez leads Major League Baseball with a 60% swing percentage. So Salvador Perez swings the bat nearly twice as much as Juan Soto swings the bat. So, so league average, though, is 37, just to be just to clarify. That's that's lower than I expected it to be. League average is 37.1. But Soto, who is... Oh, I'm, excuse me. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Soto's career average is 37. That makes more sense. League average is 47. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. I was looking at the wrong line. So for a guy like Juan Soto, and I, I, I posed this question specifically for superstars. I'm not talking about, you know, role players. But a guy like Juan Soto, who has arguably the best bat-to-ball skills in Major League Baseball at his age right now, you want him swinging the bat. Yeah. And my argument is that I would be willing to sacrifice on base percentage for more swings. And if that means he rolls over on a few more ground balls, so be it. But it could mean that he lucks into a few Texas leaguers, that he, he might luck into a few more doubles. He might luck into a few more ribbies. So his on-base percentage is going to go down, so he's not going to walk as much. But he's going to be swinging the bat more. So I so, want Soto's yeah. swing percentage to go up. And if that means he starts swinging outside the zone, that's fine with me. You can He can be more aggressive in the zone. He doesn't just have to – this isn't an auto swing. Like He's still seeing the ball and making a decision as the ball's in flight. It's not like a, I'm swinging no matter what here. You can't do that in the big leagues and be successful. Yeah. So I, I would like to maybe see his zone swing more. Okay, so – his end zone swing is 57%. League average is 67. So maybe there's there's probably times he goes up there taking to a strike. Yeah. It seems that way. Same with what I said about Costas. And it's really changed his game. But he's 10% lower than league average in a zone zone swing. Pitches in the strike zone. His zone contact's really good. It's 86. League average is 82. So that, I mean, his bat to ball skills we know is very good. His chase rate is 17. MLB average is 28 and a half. So I, I don't, this isn't a thing where I'm like, I'm okay with him chasing outside the zone. 
No, I, I want him to be more aggressive in the strike zone. That's fair. Yeah. In I, the strike zone. I, I don't I don't want him sweet. Look, guys are nasty enough. Don't help them. Yeah, I hear you. But if they're going to lay one in their first pitch, you know, guys like this also sit pitch types. So, like, okay, I'm looking not just location, but location and pitch. So, they kind of keyhole guys. Mm -hmm. So, if it's not perfect pitch, oh, for example, I'm looking fastball middle in OO. It's a fastball middle away. I take it because it's not in inner half. Like, it's still a really good pitch to hit. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe mentality-wise, he says, all right, I'm going to look. I'm going to look middle of the plate, right? And use my, he can still look pitch. He can still look fastball or sit off speed, whatever he wants to do. But you look middle, pitch is middle away, you hammer it. If it's middle in, you hammer it to the big part of the field. I feel like he keyholes guys sometimes. That's why his end zone contact is so good because when he does swing, it's exactly what he's looking for. So his on-base percentage this year is 400 right on the dot. He leads all of Major League Baseball with 119 walks. 260 batting average and he's got 29 homers so he's going to wind up with another 30 home run nearly 100 rbi season i think if you lower that on base percentage just a tad and you up his swing percentage maybe his on base percentage dwindles down to 375 i think he can have both like if you want to just walk go be a carlos santana right and and it's very valuable don't get me wrong like if you want to be a carlos santana you could stay in this league for 12 yeah 13. but that's not a 300 million dollar player Correct. So if yeah, you're Juan I, Soto, you have I think talent with the bat, you need to start swinging the stick. Where does he rank in walks? Uh, Soto. Yeah, he's got the highest walk percentage in baseball. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So maybe some of those walks are like maybe one zero fastball he hits in the gap. Yeah, and he's gonna roll over some too. Like that's what I mean. His you gotta sacrifice on base percentage for more hits. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, with that bat, yeah, I, I want to see him more active, but in the zone for sure. I think so he's yes. I think it's your your original question. Can you be? Yeah, I, I think it's hurt the Padres more so this year because of what they're lacking, and that's hitting with runners in scoring position and driving in runs. That's what the Padres have lacked. So I think that's really hurt the Padres this year. That's not to say that it's Soto's fault. He's having a good strong right. year, but and that's just not who he is. This is who he is. He's a high. Uh, takes a lot of pitches, high plate discipline, high walk percentage. That's who he is. So I'm not saying he needs to change overnight because the Padres can't drive in runs. All and I'm saying is if I'm going to hand this honestly, guy. If it's I'm just as hand, simple as him being more aggressive early in counts. If I'm going to hand this guy $300 million, I want him swinging the bat at a higher clip. Because well, well, you need more production. There's more production with a, him swinging the bat than him walking. Hey, Fair. did I tell you that I saw a Middlebrooks jersey in Athens, Greece? What? Did you take a picture of it? No. What the? F I don't believe you. Didn't happen. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't believe you. Because you would have taken a picture of it. You were way too like tech savvy to not take a picture of that. I would have done. I would have gotten a picture with the guy. Middlebrooks jersey in Athens, Greece. Yeah, I didn't. But I didn't see one. Uh, I always look whenever I go on trips with my wife. I always look to see, especially in Europe. I like to see who the uh, first baseball jersey is. And when I was Ooh. in uh, on Otani, huh? Probably Otani. In Asia, yeah, absolutely. But I didn't actually see one. I mean, even in Europe. In Europe, too. Uh, the first, during our honeymoon, it was an Ortiz jersey, the first one I saw. David Ortiz. Okay. That was three or four years ago. Two, eh, two three years ago. So, okay. um, But I didn't see a single baseball jersey, unfortunately. Well, the game seems to be growing and doing fine over here. Yeah. The view viewership numbers are up. All right. So you're, just to clarify here, you have the Diamondbacks making it in the wild card. 
as the it, Phillies, Cubs, Diamondbacks as your three. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then you have the Astros winning the the West. American. The division, yeah. Um, man. And who gets in in the wild card then? You get Tampa up top, obviously. I'm a little worried about Toronto. Yeah. Uh, mainly because they have a uh, pretty tough schedule remaining. Six versus the Rays, three versus Texas, three versus Boston, six versus New York. A little worried about them. Um, damn, that's, this is tough. I mean, Tampa obviously gets in. I think Texas finds a way to get in. So Seattle's out. No. I think Toronto's out. Wow. I think Toronto's out. I think Seattle. So Seattle, um, I told you, ebbs and flows, man. They were hot. Now they're cold. Well, there's, what, 18, 19 games left. In a couple of days, they get hot again and finish hot. I think they sneak in. I think Texas, they've won three in a row, I think, now. I think they're starting to play better ball. Um, I think Toronto misses. I go with that. Be fun to watch. Uh, I told you guys we have some new faces joining the pod on a new regular basis. Brooksy and I are officially back. Expect us to be back on here soon. Appreciate you jumping on here, Brooksy. Mr. Face. Yeah, man. Nah, that's an, let me rephrase. I missed your voice. I didn't miss your face, but it's good to see that's, you another that's one. Fair. That's fine. Dude, buddy. I'll leave my video, leave my video off next time. <laughs>